Hello everyone, you're all very welcome to the show. We had a jam-packed bank holiday weekend full of football, hurling, the whole shebang. And to, re- to review it all with me, I have my partner in crime, Lee Costello. Lee, you're a madman, you ran a marathon at the weekend. I did, yeah, ran a marathon. Um, I was doing it to raise awareness for the GAR podcast. There's personals out there who haven't subscribed yet, so... Wow. You know, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Fair play to you, Lee. And we have a very special guest with us too. He's won it all, an All-Ireland Club, a National League, a Sigerson Cup, and an All-Ireland final winning man of the match. It's the full collection. Uh, he's a dub, but he's been estranged in Monaghan for the last few years. So, uh, Kevin Nolan, welcome to the show. How's Thanks things? very much. Yeah, all's good. Yeah, Thanks very much for having me up here. It's good to be back up here every once in a while. Back into the big smoke, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you, have, you haven't got the, the Monaghan accent yet. No, anytime I'm back down here, I have to try resort back to my old uh, the, the Dublin accent, so just to fit in a bit more and make sure I, uh, I don't lose the, the touches. Okay, so but you've, you're, you're fully settled in down in Monaghan, got the, the lingo and probably the country music and all this yeah, kind of thing Yeah, big there. Tom country, just living outside Casablanca in uh, Club Cromartin. Um, lovely, lo- loving the area, loving uh, life up there. Uh, football, school, everything sort of moved up, so really enjoying it now. Great stuff, great stuff. And um, I suppose... The last we heard from you, you were you moved down to Monaghan, and I remember hearing at the time there were rumours that you might even get to play with Monaghan. Like, was it uh, was it ever close to happening, or was it? No, listen, I, I, injury played sort of ended my career with Dublin, um, back operation and all that. So trying to get back fit, playing with the Dubs, and just struggled to basically make the squad. So went back with the club then, um, and we looked to get a house or looked to, to buy a house around Dublin, and, and two teachers we struggled, so we looked into the the option of moving up to Monaghan and travelling down to Dublin for a year, which worked fine, but again, it was a it was a short-term solution to a long-term problem that we had, so we eventually just renovated and built the house up there, and uh, yeah, it was travelling, so I was actually training with, with Cromartin Club, um, but still trying to play with Kilmacud, so I was training with one team but never playing with them, and I was playing with another team but never training with them. Okay. So, um, at the time, Crokes were training in Bray Emmets and training maybe quarter to nine at night, so by the time you were finished, it was about quarter past half ten, so to drive back up to Monaghan, it was uh, it was long enough. So didn't want to be doing that too long, and obviously with the back issue as well, it just came to a close that I had to either transfer or or give it up. So I, I transferred, and luckily got the ch- chance to play with my wife's uh, two brothers um, at in the club, Cromartin. So yeah, it, it, you know, in a club and in a county like Monaghan, they're mad into their football, and it just sort of came in and sort of immersed myself fully into it. And you're still playing with the club. Still playing with the club football, yeah, yeah, intermediate, um, which is a, it's a very competitive league, um, and I know maybe throw men might have seen Monaghan clubs coming through mm-hmm. at senior, intermediate, and junior level, that the quality is there, it is good, um, it is, it's intense, and Monaghan being Monaghan football, um, they're hard hitting, they're, they're, you know, it's a physical game up there, but it's, I'd say it's fully enjoyable. Do, do you notice know much difference between club football in Dublin and and in Ulster? People always say Ulster. Full of the hard men and all, but uh, have you have you noticed it? I would have been, yeah. Um, you know, I probably carried a few more pounds than I was when I was playing with Dublin, <laughs> so that helped uh, in the in the in the club games, all right. But listen, the, the quality is it's, it's up there uh, when you're moving from a club like Kilmacud Croaks with the you know all Ireland aspirations to uh, uh, an intermediate club in Monaghan. The aspirations are still there to win championships, but you know there's maybe that competition for for the the title is is, is there everywhere, junior, intermediate, and senior. So. Um, Similarly, in Dublin, you have any team that could win Dublin could go on and win a, an All Ireland club. We're looking at intermediate level now, and you know any team that comes out of intermediate can challenge for for Ulster uh, clubs. So I think that's the aspirations of nearly every team that that plays intermediate football. You could you could be in a, a league fo- or a championship final like we were a number of years ago, 
And in the past two seasons, unfortunately, we've been in the, in the bottom half and been in relegation playoffs, but luckily stayed up. Sure, isn't that the thing? When, when, whatever grade you're playing in, it's the most important thing in the world for you at yeah. that time to win that championship. So, um, as well as that, you're, you've got involved in the coaching as well. So, you've, you've fully immersed yourself in Monaghan, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So, um, studied up in Jordanstown for a year. Met a few Monaghan men up there. Rory Began was, was playing the Sigerson team. Uh, Ryan McInespy, Kieran Hughes. So, um, just obviously living up there and having the connection with Monaghan would have would have formed friendships with, with those players and other lads from Throne Armagh down and all that lads that are you know fine footballers now and you can see them on the on the county stage. But Rory Began was involved in the development squad with an under 15s a number of years ago and asked me to get get involved with him. So that worked out well. Uh, unfortunately, COVID hit, so we weren't training as much anymore. We weren't training at all really. Um, their team came through to minor last year. We didn't. We still wanted to play football ourselves. And Rory, being senior in the county footballer, couldn't commit to both. So he stepped away, and I wasn't going to be going forward at all with, in relation to management for them, uh, for the minor team. Not that it would have had a crazy amount of experience, but mm-hmm. Paul O'Connor, who's the the, the manager in Monaghan coaching, um, asked me to get involved last year with the under 14s. So I'm managing the under 14s, and now carry them through into under 15s. So we had a game there against Westmead last week. Um, End of May, we have a game in the sort of a competitive blitz for them against Dublin. So we're welcoming Dublin right. up to uh, up to Clahan in a couple of weeks' time. So look forward to that. Right, that'd be a great uh, kind of a, <laughs> all, all comes full circle, I suppose, yes, at yeah, that stage. Yeah, um, yeah uh, look, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk more about your career later on, Kevin, because there's there's so much to talk about um, from it. But uh, first, we'll we'll talk about the weekend's yes. action. And uh, I know you had you had a bit of skin in both games, I suppose, the Monaghan and the Dublin game. But um, we're going to start off with the Dublin game. And I suppose, to be honest, for me, looking in, um, the the first place to start really is with um, Stephen Clucks. And t- to be honest, I w- I was very surprised that he was um, that he was starting. I thought it was kind of. And anyone who I talked to, it was people were kind of thinking, Do you know, it's O'Hanlon's jersey to lose now. Um, were you surprised, Lee, when he, when Clucks was starting? Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised because I thought I thought when he was introduced to the panel, they weren't going to throw him in straight away in the league final against Derry. But I thought up against Leash, a Division Four team, you know, with all respect, they were you know they were going to win. Um, that would have been the time to introduce him rather than give. O'Hanlon that game and then in a semi-final against Kildare like I know Kildare didn't have a great league but on paper they're still Dublin's biggest threat in Leinster you would have thought um, so just changing things around I know it's Cluxton you know he's the best goalkeeper mm. ever in history but still you know three games since he last played at that level and stuff so to throw women at that was I thought was a bit strange uh, Desi Farr was saying after that he, he was only doing it to give him game time so if anything happened to O'Hanlon you know he'd have at least game experience but it makes me think of like the 20 years that Cluxon was number one, not too many other sub-goalkeepers got a championship game, you know, for experience, just in case Cluxon got injured. So it's, it's just a strange one. It's an unusual situation. Were you surprised um, initially when Cluxon came back, Kevin? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of the, the former dubs would have been as well, seeing, mm. seeing him tug out. I think there was three keepers warming up that day. So uh, to see him back, obviously the standards he would have set as a, as a captain, but even before that as a player, um, the amount of dressing rooms he's been in for Dublin and, and played under many managers and the experience he's been there, been there, done that. So, listen, he's likely would have had very sort of an open door policy that whoever is available in Dublin, they're available for, for, the, for the squad. And again, McCaffrey being back and Mannion, it just adds to all that, that, you know, there's, there's high aspirations this year to, to go on and win it. Mm, it was, it was a big surprise. It was against Loud that day when you see him in, in the warm-up. Like, I know he hadn't officially retired, um, but did did you in your head was was he done at that stage anyway? 
No, because and I, I I don't think he's the type of person that would have come out with these uh, retirement mm-hmm. statements. You know the, the the iPhone notes app screenshots on on, on the social <laughs> media. Um, never would have said it. And I think he would have always been that type of person that would, if he did walk away, it would have just gone into the sunset and that was it. But the fact that the door was always open there um, for him to come back and listen. Um, if he was in against Leash, obviously they weren't overly overly tested in that game. Um, against Kildare, a few high balls came in, dealt with them really well. Kickouts, yes, Kildare might have dropped off and he got a lot of kickouts off. But again, when he did have to go long, he hit one in under the Hogan stand. James McCarthy plucked it out of the sky. So, you know, he he still has it in the repertoire there. Um, and he, as I said, he's tried and tested. He knows what mm-hmm. to do and the standards he sets for everybody. Um it's gonna, it's gonna help the, the the keepers that are there for for years to come. It's also gonna help the other players to make sure that they're they, yep, they're they're all fo- fully focused on on what the aim is. Well, just just on that because like you always hear Dublin players saying that Cluxton, what he brings, you know, uh, even in the changing room, even if he wasn't playing, what he brings with leadership qualities and things like that. And obviously, he doesn't talk to the media, so we never get to see that side of him. Is he a real talker in the changing room? And when you say he doesn't let standard drops, is he on people straight away? Like, what what's his personality like in training? Yeah, uh, listen, he'd be a joker as well, um, yeah. and he would have been. Obviously, he's a teacher. He is maybe a bit reserved in, in relation to, to media and all that, which is, which is perfectly, it's, it's up to everybody and up to themselves. Um, he, listen, he'd be, everyone would be accountable. And if the defenders are meeting together, talk about kickouts or whatever it is, he'd be vocal and he'd be letting people know if they weren't doing their job because, again, I'm sure he would expect that for other people if he wasn't doing his job. Mm. Um, it was like a flashback to the... 2011 Ireland final when he got his free uh, and coming off the field you could hear the big chance from the Dublin fans I think they were all kind of thinking back at that moment and then when he hit it wide the Kildare lads were all giving hey so it was kind of um, it was funny that way but do you think Lee mentioned Desi Farrell there saying it was kind of a game time thing um, who do you think was starting goals in the Leinster final against Loud? Um, I think the fact that he's in now and I, th- I think he did he did the job well uh, it was just obviously the test, and, and Kildare put a massive test up to Dublin. I think up until the 51st minute, it was Kildare were in, mm-hmm. in the lead, and they were taking control of it. Dublin then they leveled it up, and then sort of controlled the game after that. But I think Cluxton is um, for me, he'd be he'd be number one for the next day. Yeah, well, as you mentioned there, um, it was it was a tight game, and I think we were even saying the last day Lee that do you know Dublin playing Derry in that league final that that could be their last tight game before we get to the. Mm-hmm. All-Ireland group stages. So, um, Desi, another interesting quote from Desi said, it definitely grounds players who may need grounding. And I'm not saying that they do, but it brings everything back to earth with a bang. And the reality is that that's the type of game you're going to encounter when you move on. So, like, it was, it was one of those games, and maybe we didn't think it was coming, but, like, Dublin, there was stages where, you know, it was yeah. up in a bit of doubt. Yeah, it's sort of the game you were expecting nearly last year when Kildare had a decent... I know they got relegated, but you know they'd beat Dublin in the league and stuff and they were showing real promising signs and then they were very disappointed when they met in the championship. Um, this time they were really disappointed in the league and they mu- seemed to muster up this performance, especially after the hammering that they gave Leash. We were sort of like, Dublin are really taking Leinster seriously here, you know, because the last few years they'd be winning games, but, you know, like not, not hammering teams, just winning nearly robotically. Um... What it means, like you got to give some credit to Kildare. You know they've been uh, under a lot of stick this this whole season. Uh, Glenn Ryan's been under a lot of stick. Uh, they know that they have the players. We always say they got the players on paper. They did manage to step up and bring a performance, which is massive. And uh, it was good to see because you just want to see a competitive game. But it's nearly the worst thing that could have happened from a Lowe's point of view because I'm sure Mickey Hart's sort of thinking if they had one bad game and then one off day, 
they've got it out of the way now. Do you know, like he'd have loved to have met them that day maybe mm. instead. So don't know why they're few and far between with Dublin. I can't see them being as as slow or as sloppy uh, next day out. Mm. Uh, what sort of shape do you think Dublin are in in, in general, um, Kevin? Like I suppose hammer and leash the last day, and then tight tight in this one. Um, obviously had a decent league campaign. Well, obviously they won mm. it, but maybe not brilliant the whole way through. Like where where do you think they are in general? Yeah, I just think the league campaign, and obviously talk about even about the likes of Kildare and Armagh not having a great league, but look where they are now and 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 where they are. They're all still in the in the competition they want to be in now at this stage with the draw made earlier on. Uh, where Dublin are, listen, I think they're, and back to w- when I was playing myself, the in-house games were nearly just as important as the as, as the, the championship games that we were playing because it was getting people up to the, the match intensity. Likewise, the clocks and thing, if he's, if he's performing well in those training games, you know, that speaks volumes for itself. Um, yeah, they'd, they'd have been disappointed in the first half. I know Kildare brought a lot of hard work and intensity to it and, and you could see, the, you know, defenders and forwards getting the bodies back in to block up the 45. I remember hearing as well on the on the video you could hear Kildare roaring in out as if they were dropping too far into their 45 allowing maybe Dublin to you know get closer to the goal um, similarly in the second half when when maybe Kildare were, were, were tiring Dublin were able to control the game that bit more and they were able to get the bodies forward into the scoring zone a bit more and you could see even a few bad shots um, Lee Gannon had a bad wide uh, Kieran Murphy had another wide but he still they, they, they got scores themselves as well but they got into positions in the in the second half that they weren't maybe in the first half um, basically, when when they did start to control the game, you could really see that it was it was just it was inevitable that it was going to happen. I felt, um, but where they are, yes, attacking wise, there's just a, diff- a few options they have. The the bench they had was strong, and um, they'd obviously have to look at the next day with a free taker. Conor Callan would have stepped up in the first half, missed a free that Dean Rock would have put over with his eyes closed, or Cormac Costello. So, you know, they do have options there, and that would have been a big thing by bringing the well, not by bringing, but the lads been available this year. Um, it's it's add more competition for places. Definitely, yeah. You mentioned the A versus B games. There were the were I'd say they were kind of back in your time anyway when you were starting out. Was that were were they always kind of fierce clashes and sure everyone fighting to fighting to take your own jersey? Really? Yes, yeah, yeah. Look, listen, everyone was was there. They, they, everyone had a role. Uh, if you were on the B team, it was just you were making sure the A's were ready to go for for championship football, and the lads would have prided themselves on that. I know Paul Casey, Mossy Quinn would have been on the you know the mighty B's. But whenever they went out, they were going out to do a job on us to make sure that we were best prepared for, for championship football. And, and it stood to us. Um, years later then, those lads that would have been on the B team were, were, were I'm not saying better quality, but there was more quality and more competition for places. So it just meant no one was able to, to relax or go into a bit of a comfort zone. Because if you were, there was a next man to step into your position, whether it be number one, number 15 or number 26, there was always competition for every single place. Um, and I think, again, from back in my time when we were playing, th- those matches were, were high intense. There was game plans we were trying to play within those games that were, that were you know, going to be used later on in the summer. And I, I still think that when they, when they go out to the DCU to play these games, all these, these scenarios that they're going to come up against in championship football will be practised in, in the training games. Yeah, so there's no holding back in them and there was no holding back. Uh, I don't know if you've seen uh, Anthony Rainbow telling Darren Daly, did you see that? He said... I'm not a lip reader now, Ant, but from what I could see, it was go back to your effing side or go back to your effing yeah, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> he got really involved in the game, didn't he? Um, 
okay, I don't mind a bit of that. It's probably not a good thing. Like if you're a Kildare player and you're seeing it, it's maybe it's maybe not the best thing to look at your side. You know, I think I'd fucking love to see that. Do you? See your manager, man- I'd see, like to see the manager getting it. involved and yeah, do you know that I, I, he's ready to go? It depends to on the situation. I don't know about against Dublin though. You know, whenever things so like. I just feel like it needs cool heads. That's what they need to beat Dublin because they have brought it to them before, you know, and sort of showed good performances in the past, but never... Like, they had the game. Do you know? They had it in their hands and it, and it just does look like it sort of spilled out of control yes. for them and, and they, they mustered everything they could and they ran out of steam when cool heads nearly would have been better rather than snatching shots late on and yes. stuff. And they, they lost the game and that might have been the difference. Not that it's his fault. I just mean it was like, that's a reflection on the players and the whole team, how they felt being knowing that they're so close to something that would be so, so special. If they'd won that game, that's all we'd be talking about today because it would have been a monstrous occasion. Um, but they did let, you know, passion get the best of them. It wasn't cool heads and it ultimately slipped out of their hands. So I don't know. Yeah, I just think the emotion on it, they, by yeah. getting caught up in the whole thing, it was as, as well, it was at a time in Dublin where, 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 where you know, they were twisting the knife in. They had, they tailed back there was a four point lead Kildare would have had and they dropped the ball short Dublin went down and got a point and then they got a, another point in, in, in a row so it just you know they were they were tailing back that bit of a lead that Kildare had and you could just see things were were, were going against them um, and again I know on, on the sideline you've got managers maybe up and down the line or different things happening you look at Rory Gallagher but Derry yeah. and, and he's going crazy booked mm-hmm. after five minutes you know <laughs> could easily have been sent yeah. off or stuff. but again I think like that players see it on the sideline and it could give some players a massive boost and say listen he's fighting for us on the sideline we have to do it on the pitch mm-hmm. um, it can work for some players work for others and again if Kildare won you'd be thinking master stroke but the fact that it was just a lot of those Kildare management were yeah. all there against the one Dublin man and Darren Daly walks away a bit of a grin on his yeah. face to say listen whatever he's done he's wound him up and, and Listen, it sort of just yeah. takes their eye off the ball. The management could yeah. be for a, a second or two, and it could be a decision that they, they didn't see. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from chatting to a few people, and I know you know Jim Gavin would have been looking on the sideline very logically of you know what's happening and not getting caught up in the emotion of it. And again, maybe people didn't like that, but yeah. again, it, it had a, it had its role and it had its <coughs> job on, in the in the game. So you know, it works out for some, and maybe others. You may you know. Banty, I'm looking at a monitor man. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he'll jump and he kick every ball over the bar for them. He's like that, but again, like. Maybe the decisions that need to be made, split decisions, because the emotion, and they're, they're, they're so into it, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you might miss out on those little things. So are you more of a Banty or Jim Gavin for the Monaghan under-15s now, Kevin? Um, yeah, you're sort of, well, listen, you're, you're trying to take from, from from best from everybody, and, and you, you, without being a, a carbon copy of people, you're trying different things, but especially for young kids, you're just trying to get them, you know, to, to learn their trade, and, you know, you're looking at footballers now, maybe the roles aren't as, as defined as they used to be, it's, you know, you could be an amazing athlete with a decent skill set and, and be able to make a, a senior in the county footballer, whereby maybe a number of years ago you had your wing forwards did certain jobs, full forwards did a certain job. Now the fact that it's, it's you know, like a game of basketball, everyone's up and down and everyone's accountable. Um, you're just trying to make sure every kid is 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 is, is aware and, and exposed to, to different things that can happen. And if you're able to help them on the sideline, brilliant. Um, we obviously don't want to be roaring in the whole time because if we're doing that, we're just we're playing the game for them. If they have to think for themselves, yeah. they have to make the decisions at the end of the day. Um, and I do think, again, back to, to Dublin the last number of years, the teams that have fallen short, maybe the the, 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 the decision-making when it really comes down to it, it sort of lacks. You know, you look at the likes of the Mayos and even Kildare the last day, you know, McCormick had two drop shorts in the second half. If they hold on to that ball that bit more when they are up, again, it sort of takes the, the sting out of Dublin's attack and... That's again. We're trying to do that as best we can with the young kids that we have. That just expose them to as much as they can at a high level, uh, so that they have to think for themselves. Mm. So mix it the two, we'll say. 
Yeah, I, I, listen, <laughs> I, I played under many, many great managers. Um, you try to take bits from everybody. Um, Paddy Carr would have been a, a Kilmacud uh, manager when we won the All Ireland in 2009. Um, went in with Donegal and it, things didn't go well for him. But listen, there's, there's things that he'd have done that we've been thinking, listen, that's that's a great characteristic to have as a manager. Um, Pat Gilroy, Pillar Caffrey, Niall Moyne, different different players, different managers I would have, I would have played under. Like you're trying to take the best for everybody and mm. listen, just it's, it's try it out and if it doesn't work, you know, move on. But trial and error, basically. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about Paddy Carroll. It only popped into my head there as we were talking, but um, probably a bit off topic, but... It was sad the way it ended up for him and because he did seem like a, a real decent fella. Like, and remember the interview when they beat Kerry that day and you were just delighted for him that day. But. Yeah, yeah the, way, the way it happened, listen, players not being available. Um, I know Ryan McHugh, massive player, would have been up in Jordanstown as well as so I came across him. Lovely lad, not being available this year. Michael Murphy, like two massive players to play within within a, within any team in the country, let alone just the, the Donegal team who were maybe in that period of transition. Um Strange thing was obviously the, the the coaches and selectors stayed on, so whatever ins and outs happened. But again, my own experience of Paddy, great lad, great manager. Um, you would have done everything for him, uh, because you know you nearly felt if you didn't do it, you're you're letting him down. Whereby mm-hmm. maybe other managers could have been, they'd be giving you a bit of a bollocking, but him himself would have been, you know, you're doing it for him and 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 you know didn't want to disappoint him basically as I said yeah but he definitely did uh, he worked the Oracle with G anyway winning that All Ireland in 2009 um, we'll come back to that but um, from there we're going to Dublin's opponents and it was probably the the game of the weekend loud and awfully and awfully we're going well early on then loud take over uh, Kieran Downey on fire with seven points from play and you're thinking do you know they're four points up with what was it I think it was only ten minutes to go and yeah. you're thinking do you know this is curtains um, but then awfully should have won it Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 credit to Offaly just given the, the tragedy that they had to go through this season and the way that they've been able to galvanize themselves and like perform basically out of their skin every single game. And then you've got Lau, they're also on the crest of the wave. So they've got these two teams on the up meeting each other at similar levels and it makes for a great game of football. And, you know, it's it's not something we could have always said about Leinster football and like, I'm almost jealous as an Ulster man for a change watching as like, you know, the games in Leinster were almost better. Uh, talking about Lau, I mean... You know, when Mickey Hart took over Louth in Division 4, you could see his whole plan was, we've got a real footballer here in Sam Mulroy, uh, build a, a systematic, you know, sort of tactic where everyone has their role, it's all very defined, and we can be well-structured at the back, and then this man gets you the scores. But now footballers are starting to appear and pop up, like Downey and stuff, and, and the, the load's being shared as they claim through the leagues, and they get more confident, they're playing in Crew Park a lot more often, you know, experiencing these big days, and that, that'll really stand to them coming up against, you know, because that could really crack your confidence. They showed the opposite side of it. Uh, was it Westmead? They they came back against... They came back, yeah. yeah they were seven or eight down at halftime. Seven or eight down at halftime. They showed that side, you know, where they were the underdogs and they really had to fight back and they get over the line. This time they let a lead slip, which can be really mentally draining and disheartening. But, you know, they recomposed it... Uh, extra time and I thought Sam Leroy was, was brilliant um, he could sort of shut down throughout the whole game he's maybe trying to catch up to championship pace because he's only coming back from injury so it'll actually be put him in good stead because he was excellent then I think he kicked four or five from, from play in extra time you know and really found his feet and with forwards especially like it just sort of takes a breakthrough like that and, and then the, the floodgates kind of open and he'll be fantastic the rest of the season so I think it'll put Loud in good stead and Offley will be in great shape going into Talchin Cup yeah, well, Mickey Hart was asked about it after the game by Samuel Ryan, and he said, "Well, would you take Messi off?" So <laughs> he, he wasn't. Um, he he was he was the man. But it was it was a brilliant game, um, Kevin. I'd say 
like I was thinking, you know, when Offaly when they got that run, they had two chances then to to finish the game off. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Yes, yeah. Keen Farrell hit one, and was probably there might have been a chance to to go a bit further, and Jack Bryant missed the mark. So when it went to extra time, then the way Loud and when it's Mickey Hart and they've been kind of going well, I nearly expected Loud to to come on top then. Yeah, and listen, looking at them from the league, their league performance as well would have carried into the championship games and the belief and you know how do how well they got on in the competition in Leinster's. You know, it's great to see those those competitive games. Um, it just sort of you could see when they got back in and and the selectors and all and the coaches that that Loud had put together, Mickey Harris put together, phenomenally their experience. Whatever they say, the lads will will, will literally hang on every word that they they say. So, I think that has been a massive impl- massive influence and impact for them. Yeah, like they're um, uh, they've a lot of lads stepping up as you mentioned, Lee. It's not like last year; it was kind of the Sam Mulray show, but Conor Early has been phenomenal in midfield, a mm. serious engine. Um, Craig Lennon came on and I was, I was very impressed with the speed of him he showed for one point just burned a lad on, on, on the outside and um, do you know there's, there's lads Tommy Dern in midfield was probably the man of the match the other day just yeah. uh, I'm not sure if you ever come up against him Kevin but uh, he's a, a phenomenal player you're shaking your head there in, in, his, in his time but do you know Loud um, listen they'll, they'll, be, they'll obviously be up against, against Dublin but they're definitely a team um, Lee who's making great strides and like Mickey it doesn't it show I suppose yeah. the impact that a good ma- like a good manager can, can have on a county because like yeah. even driving through um, I was driving through Dublin when that match the amount of loud people around the place yeah. um, the whole county are behind him yeah, he's he's been able to get everyone to buy in, and not just the players, but like the coaches, the fans, just everyone. That something here is special in, or is happening in Louth that's special. Um, you talk about good management, like I I think it it really shows what an incredible manager he is, one of one of the best ever. Because what he did with Thrones, obviously fantastic. The three All Irelands, the county's first ever All Ireland, and then every single year his goal, you know, was win Ulster, compete in All Irelands, you know, for nearly twenty years. And then to go to Louth and the goalposts change mm. so dramatically, you know, suddenly your top target is get out of Division 4. Mm. But that's the top target and he did it. Top target is out of Division 3. Now in a Division 2. Now it's let's be competitive in the Leinster Championship, which was a dead duck of a championship for so long. And he's gotten to the stage where they genuinely are that. Um, the thing about Mickey Hart and especially Dublin, coming up against Dublin, is that people have this impression that he's like so rigid and structured and nearly too much so and, and he won't ever... Uh, change things but he loves to actually throw in you know something wild and, and uh, be a bit uh, mad sometimes like a, like a crazy mm. scientist kind of thing <laughs> like what uh, Kyle Coney was telling us about Rona McNamee he just you know gives the kid his championship debut against Kerry you're marking Paul Galvin completely out of the blue no one knew it until like minutes before throw in uh, the 2008 All-Ireland final you know Stevie O'Neill comes back in, he's retired and he brings him in for the final, he hadn't played all year. Do you know, like crazy things like that and I'd say is something up his sleeve for Dublin, something different. I'm not saying it'll work, but like it'll be something it'll definitely, definitely be a Leinster final worth watching and we couldn't always have said that. Yeah, well it's a bit of a free hit, I suppose, as well yeah. when they're when they're there. Um onto the Monaghan Derry game, Kevin, as an adopted Monaghan man, um <laughs> Small bit disappointed, I suppose, just with the way it went at the weekend. Yeah, I think the first half was similar enough to the way that the the Tyrone, the, the Tyrone, Tyrone game. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, with the way that was sort of starting off and it's slow to start, and I just felt that right from the very start, Derry were controlling that game, and and Monaghan sort of played into their hands throughout the whole pitch. You know, mm-hmm. Monaghan's key players, you know, talks of McManus and McCarran and McCarthy and all that. McCarthy after having a brilliant game in the second half against Tyrone. Um, you know, they were in positions where they had to, to defend and maybe they're not natural to, to doing so and, and Derry really went at that. 
Um, just the way they they position themselves, they set up, it's just phenomenal. And, you know, as as a maybe a, a young aspiring coach, you'd love to see the types of training sessions that that Gallagher puts Derry through. Mm-hmm. Um, being across, literally, I live a minute from from Clahan where the county grounds are. So there's times I'd go over and just pop the head in, just have a look and see what the sessions are like. Even what I've done, what I've done over the last number of years for a couple of training sessions, just to see what what has been done to get little nuggets. Um, but again, Vinny coming in this year, again they're going through that bit of that that transition period as I mentioned earlier on about Donegal. But you know things would have worked well at times during the league that maybe they, they weren't following through, and it maybe the, the last day against Derry. Um, they have some fabulous footballers, Carlo Collin coming through at pace. I think that that was a big thing that if they were playing them again, they could try to exploit. Um, just not enough of them did it, you know. But you know the high ball in as well, different players that they have in the squad that can that can cause issues. But they, in overall, overall they would have been disappointed at the fact that they got no handle on the game at all, um, you know. And just the fact that they, yes, they kicked two ten, uh, but. To concede two, or sorry, to concede one twenty-one in a game of football, especially one twelve in the first half of football, is is, is disappointing. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? You were kind of you were waiting, and Carlo O'Connell, he was the man that grabbed the ball by the horns, and he did a bit last week as well. Like he's um he's a real kind of Rolls Royce for player, but it was definitely it showed up a little bit of a, a weakness, I'd say. In Derry is like I suppose any team when they're faced against compl- like raw pace is what he has. Yes, yeah. Um, you wouldn't think he's 34 or 35 when you're looking at him playing but I think you were just waiting on maybe like you know Conor McCarthy as you said he stepped up the last day maybe waiting on McCarron McManus um, and yeah I suppose that was it wasn't it Derry had kind of seemed to have targeted them dragging them down the other end of the field yeah, and that was yeah. nearly the trouble for Monaghan yeah like kickouts could have been got off from, from Derry and it's as if everybody just moved up the pitch they were soloing maybe at about three-quarter pace, waiting for everybody to get up. And once they got into the mile and a half, it was literally just, let's try find a few pockets and let's try identify. If we move the ball to the right, we can quickly get it back left. And you could see the, the goal that Derry got. Just Monaghan had players back, just not doing the, or filling the space yeah. that needed to be filled. Um, McCluskey went by uh, McManus yes. and there was Killian Lavelle. It's just on the inside and he nearly just reacts to it too late whereby those that pocket the space that, that the Derry players want to get into, you know, Monaghan players should have been filling them that bit better. And again, it just shows, you know, Gallagher has done this. He's, he has his team ready to go and offensively, what are they going to do? Um, great thing, I know Pep Guardiola talks about moving the ball to move the opposition and Derry did that really well. They moved mm-hmm. the ball, they carried the ball at pace or they moved the ball quickly through the hands and they get the defender shifted around until they find some either a dummy or a weak link and you know they take them on their evasion skills are brilliant you know mm. they back the man to go one on one they drop the shoulder they go around him at pace and then they either have one or two lads coming off the shoulder to either clip the, clip the few scores like uh, Cassidy got in the first half or or Glass or, or Doherty got so you know they, they've they've really added to their defensive setup that they would have had last year similar to the way Donegal would have set up maybe 11 and 12 um, that they, they made sure that the defence was, was blocked up and then as I said, to, add, to to score one twenty one in a game of football is is phenomenal going. Yeah, they kind of have it both ways. Um, now, uh, Kevin just talking about Rory Gallagher there. Like, do you think he's that detailed that he would have targeted? You know, if you whether it's McCluskey or whoever mm-hmm. that you you have you find McManus and you go at him like because he left him for dead for that goal and look, it's not what McManus wants to do. No, it's, it's so disrespectful to you. You, know, you see McManus and you think, oh, this is handy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like one of the best players in the, in the history of the game and, and that's what was going through his head. But that's the ruthlessness of this Derry team as well. Rory Gallagher, um, well actually, set, setting up against Derry, I, you nearly don't know what to do right to do wrong because last year they kept Jack McCarn and they kept Conor McManus up 
and then they were completely overloaded mm. on the other side of the field and they got slaughtered for it. And then everyone was saying this time you got to mirror there, you know, you got to get everyone behind the ball when they're coming forward and try to get them, get the turnover, get them on the counter. When, you know, Owen Lynch never hang up on the field. It looks like such a, an obvious weakness, but no one's, it hasn't been hugely exploited. I know the Damien Comer thing in, in Galway, but like that's mm. one game out of how many. Um, so, you know, what, what do you do really to do right? And um, when you say, did Rory Gallagher say, I just think Derry's got really clever footballers. Yes. You know, really, really smart guys. All play at a very high level. Derry football is incredibly competitive, especially at senior level. Um, Conor McCluskey, young fella, plays for Marfelt. They won a championship in 2019. It was their first in years. Um, obviously, you've got all the Slack Neil boys and then the Glen boys you know, that are coming through. And I mentioned earlier about the ruthlessness of this Derry team. Uh, on commentary, when they conceded the second goal, which was a sloppy goal, it was a high ball and, and it worked its way into the net. Um, they were saying, oh, the Derry are so clever here, they're just going to hold on to the ball you know, and take the sting out of it. They didn't. Like Conor Glass then lifted it and just shot from distance and took it over. You know, what seems like the obvious and smart thing, you know, if you're just talking basically about football, isn't necessarily what they do. You know, they want to, what's the best way to react as quickly as possible and as yeah. ruthlessly as possible? And that does come from drilling and conversation after conversation. I'd say Gallagher has the, the ears talked off them, but um, them boys know what they're doing. Is it something, um, you've obviously been in a lot of dress rooms, Kevin, like the top managers, whether it's Pat Gilroy or Jim Gavin, like would it focus on such fine details like that that you could like focus on whether it's, you know, you find yourself in a matchup with him? Is it that detail? I think the game, is, it's, it's evolved that way, yes. Um, the fact that, you know, you're looking at all those those small little percentages that, that will add to it. Um, and again, from listening to the way Gallagher would speak, that's he sort of goes at that that fine detail compared to maybe when he was involved in setups before um, even you know teams that would have won all Ireland's that under under himself and and um, McGuinness, but yeah, it, it's it's trying to get your your best players in positions that they can exploit the the you know the weaknesses of the of the of the, op, of the opposition and. Listen, McManus is still an extremely strong tackler. As some, you know, double players would have, when we would have played against him before. You know, he's strong in the tackle. He's able to make those tackles, but it's, it's, it's put him into positions on the field that he's not as comfortable with. Um, so, you know, by bringing those players back, you're taking him out of his his stronghold in the full forward line to to, to a position where he's not as comfortable or not as used to as an experienced to. Even though he would have started off as a wing back, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he made his name as as an amazing sharpshooter, full forward, corner forward. So. To move that those players around and even just to just to, to mess with the the opposition defence, I know they would have talked about sweepers back in front of defenders. But even by Monan having a sweeper back there, by all the Derry players pushing up fully, yeah. it meant that someone had to be accountable for for everybody. Um, and Oren Lynch as well coming up kicking points from play. You know you wouldn't have seen it five years ago. And now you've okay. goalkeepers coming up and you know they look like the point guards nearly in basketball that they're taking control of the game and they can dictate it. Um, Ethan Rafferty doing with with our mad last number of years, so you know it's it's all those fine details on the field as well as off the field that that managers and coaches really have to and and have been paying detail to. Yeah, it's just you were saying there about like Conor McManus is obviously a brilliant tackler, and there's no doubt about it. I'd say actually all the top forwards mm. in the game are brilliant tacklers. There's sort of a difference in tracking your man and trying to strip the ball off them nearly high up in the pitch, or, or going as far as you can with it, and actually being in a defensive position. And having that awareness of, yes. of what the right decision is to make, you know, when to stick and when to go and when to twist. Is that is yeah. that the difference? Yeah, well, like, I know we mentioned McManus. McCarthy was also back there. He was yeah. covering Cassidy on the end line. And listen, if it was a defender, he'd have said, listen, I'll, I'll tuck in, stop the goal threat. And if he wants to pop the ball back out to Cassidy for a point, grand. But McCarthy actually stayed wide, yeah. making sure that Cassidy didn't get the slip pass. McCluskey went around McManus and scored the goal there. But I think if you have two defenders there, they may be... 
they're more used to that that maybe instincts that yeah. in, the defensive instincts exactly yeah, yeah. from a modern perspective um like you can't be you can't be too down about the whole thing like did a a great escape in the league and then to beat Tyrone that day um and I'm sure you've seen it from your five or six years down there now Kevin like the there's a great kind of spirit in the county and you seem to have kind of grasped it yourself yeah listen I sort of either sink or swim I said I'd get involved fully um, and you know football's a religion up there you know it's all the schools football everything the clubs it's a real community aspect that maybe I wouldn't have fully experienced when I was playing in, in Dublin with Kilmacud Croaks um, just the fact that the, the the size of the club itself compared to Martin up in, up in Monaghan there's maybe 300 members in our squad in our club compared to maybe 3,500 members in Kilmacud everyone knows everybody Um you know, something that happens on a Saturday or Sunday, people are still talking about it the, the following week. And in school then, you know, these country schools, when you have maybe seven, eight or nine clubs represented in the school, that bit of, the bit of crack as well sort of uh, lends to it. Um, things that go well at the weekend, grand, it's all talked about. And, you know, to be staff members that I teach with, you'd be going into school the next day after a, maybe a good or a bad performance, looking to knife people and, you know, <laughs> put the knife in the back and slate them. But listen, they're mad at their football. Everything about them, they're They're driven. Um, they're hard hitting, you know. When their backs are against the wall, they come out fighting. And I still think, you know, there's a lot of football still to be played in the Monaghan senior football team this year in in the All Ireland series. The draw was made earlier on. I think they look at it thinking, listen, there's a few games there that they could definitely go after. Um, and I think they'll have the belief the couple of weeks then to get to get trained up and get practice to get to get working on certain things will will help. You learn a lot from a defeat. Um, I know the Derry defeat was it's a hard one but Derry are a phenomenal team what they've gone through the last number of years to really build on it Monaghan are a bit behind them but they could still learn a lot from that that that, that, uh, that performance as well as maybe some, some of the league games they would have played Yeah sure it's Donegal um, Kerry or Clare don't quote me on this now and it could be on the dressing room wall in Clare but you'd imagine Clare and the other one is it's the Ulster Derry or, is, Derry or Armagh yeah. so um, yeah, they're definitely like Monaghan wouldn't be too disappointed about that draw. Um, just mentioning our we'll talk uh, briefly about their game. It was probably more um, one-sided than we would have anticipated. Lee. The Armagh, mm. yeah. It, um, I suppose they'd be really disappointed just because they got such a big win over Donegal, and uh, Conor Laverty would have really convinced them fellas that you know they're going out to make something special here and, and cause a real upset yet again. And Armagh did win fairly convincingly. Now. You know, it wasn't the best game of football to watch, but the conditions were genuinely awful. Like, it looked so bad. Uh, Armagh's goals came from a lot of points that sort of dropped short, but still, in a, a nearly accidentally, brought out the best in Armagh because they're so brilliant under that high ball. Yes. Andrew Mernon, his goal, you know, like he, he's he, unbelievable under the high ball. And the way he can read it too, because it wasn't square ball, you know, he made sure he was outside the box and then mm. he timed it uh, unbelievably. And I'm just thinking, with that weather and the rain, and when the ball's that high, you know, in the hang time on it, like it's so hard to read that and get it just right. Um, but he, he's fantastic at it. And Rian O'Neill got his goal. Did you see his celebration? His celebration and the eyes he gave the goal. Did you oh, see that yeah. coming yeah, in? Though? Yeah. He's, he's like this, I'm going to fist this across. It was so it was funny because he was so cool doing it. And then so like over the top of the celebration, you know, you're nearly the other way about. Um, I wonder what that was about though because he wouldn't normally be like that and the game was already won. Do you know at that stage that was the fourth goal? I'm just wondering like maybe he's been frustrated, you know, because he'd been injured recently. Uh, you know, Armagh got relegated and he, he seems to take a lot of the flack, doesn't he? Like, he's, he yeah. just point to him because he's the main man. Um, I wonder if that was like a real release for him. Probably knew it was curtains for down, yeah. you know, uh, completely at that stage. Just what Lee mentioned there about the high balls coming in. And mm. We've seen a lot of goals um, coming from that yeah. this year, whether it's the miss-hit point shot like Reno Neal's one was just the biggest Gary Owen you could yeah. nearly see. Yeah. Like, But um, as a defender, is it something you don't you don't like to face? 
I think if you look at football maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, teams maybe, not that you would have practiced it, but you would have had bigger men in on the square. Um, Donaghy, you know, balls are played in, so the full-back line are, are prepared for it and getting the fist on and getting the breaking ball. I don't think teams are practicing that as much anymore. Maybe because, obviously, the running games are played a bit more and maybe coaches are trying to play the perfect style of football. But that usually we see these these goals going in last 10 minutes of a game when there's, listen, there's nothing else to lose, lump a few high balls in, and between keepers and full-back lines not fully aware of what's going to happen, again, just creating a bit of, bit of mayhem, a bit of chaos in there. And I know even from watching Monaghan played uh, down in the under 20, or 20 championship there recently enough, last 10 minutes, Monaghan got four goal chances from, from long balls in. And again, I know I'm, play, I'm playing football at the minute with, with Martin in the full forward line. Um, so I've gone a long distance from where yeah. I maybe used to. But at times, listen, if the ball does come in, you're, you're going to compete for it. And, and all it takes is maybe one out of three or four balls to, to fall your way or, or another player's way who's, who's, who gets the break and you could get a goal from it. So I think if teams maybe, and I know maybe the next day Armagh have those players in the full forward line, that, that could, that could um, cause a serious threat to Derry. I don't know, will they try it some from the start just to really you know get them clued in and... It is interesting. You have Murnahan there. You have Reno Neal, lads that are well able to take their mark, or again, as I said, break it and and, and get something from it. Um, yeah, I think just think you look at a lot of players now. The fullback line they're nearly as good as a corner forward in in football now. But are, are they used to the old style of football when the ball is played in long? Managers maybe don't want to be seen as they're they're still stuck in the old style of football. But it's something that you know it's very effective when it is used and it's used properly. And if if, if teams do maybe practice it a bit more, yeah. you know, there's no reason why they couldn't use it earlier on in the game instead of leaving it till the last minute. Especially because sweepers aren't as common, or you know, or yeah. you playing with two or three sweepers, you, so defenders would have been just so confident. There's a man behind you or even in front of you just to get that breaking ball. Mm. A lot of them, like you know, for man against Derry, they went man to man. You know, that's become a little more yes. comedy so then the advantage of the high ball sort of coming back into into play mm. is that the Cromartin tactic this year get the high ball in no the well listen, we, listen in the square <laughs> there's a few does listen there's a few savage football it's just a, a, another option that, that that you try out um again try to run a running game if it's not working or even if it is working just it's keep teams honest and you know been involved in development squads we're trying to create width in the team like every other team does and depth by keeping people up high up the field because if they don't again like the way Derry would have done it to Monaghan all the Monaghan players are in positions now that they're maybe not as used to if they have that confidence and they're able to keep the players up the field they're keeping the Derry players honest and keeping someone marking them because if there is a quick turnover and there's a long ball in like what happened last year for, for Galway against Derry you know, there's goal chances straight away and one or two of them goes in and it quickly changes up the, the style of the yeah. of the opposition team. Yeah, it's a tough place to be though as a cornerback under like one of them miss hit points as well, isn't it? It is, especially if the ball's falling out. It can be hard for the full forward, but again, maybe being in there, they're just trying to make sure that the, the full back or the, the keeper doesn't make a clean catch that if the ball breaks, there's a chance that another forward comes in to clean up the break and, and a goal chance is on. Um, yeah, they're not really dri- they're not really sort of floated balls in as as much as the, mm. the the goals that we have seen. They're sort of high balls. Maybe I know Gary Gary Moans for Monaghan would have been just yeah. a a, yeah, boot. a a boot. It fell in an area that caused a bit of chaos. Um, and it's like that. Listen, if it goes over the bar, brilliant, great score. If it drops short, it's still in play, and we can, we can get something from it. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I just and, and on the point of you know sweepers are back there. Would have been involved with uh, only a Shamrock ladies team up in Monaghan there the last number of years. Um, wife and uh, sister in law would have been playing on the team. So again, I'd be a believer if the if, if the defenders are keeping you out around the forty five, and you have maybe a target player or two that could play in the full forward line if you can't run through them why not try kick it over them and again like that if you're on the same wavelength that if you know a ball is coming in and the ball is broken listen 
chances could be created. It's not going to work every single time, but the one that it does, you know, we could get a, a, a goal off it. That could be a game changer. Sure. You managed the team with your wife and sister. And yes. It? Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that go? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, <laughs> any little fights in the house, I just made sure they did an extra few mass runs. <laughs> but uh, no, it was. Um, it's, it's listen. Been involved in ladies' football in the school yeah. as well. In uh, our ladies in Castleblaney, phenomenal. You tell a girl what to do on the football pitch, she will do it. If yeah. you lose. She'll point a finger, listen, you told us what to do. We did it to the letter of the law, whereby sometimes with the with the lads and the maybe even that bit older men, they might think, listen, I know what to I do here, and they take it upon themselves. Yeah, yeah. Whereby with ladies football, you know, phenomenal bunch of girls, they, 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 they've given it their all. We've just come up against teams that are, you know, a Dunamoyne team that have won, I think it's tw- 20 or 21 in a row. They've been, they've won a few All-Irelands as well. So they're in positions where we're trying to create a bit of a, an atmosphere and a culture that they were, you know, competing against the highest at the yeah. highest level. Definitely. Um, just before we let you go, Kevin, is a quick fire round we do with uh, all our guests. Now, this one mightn't be too quick because uh, there's a lot to, to talk about with your career. But um, starting off, um, as a young lad, uh, you had trials with Leicester and Blackburn, I believe. Um, how close was it? Um, soccer would have been first sport I would have played. Um, would have played with St. Joseph's Boys, would have played originally with a, a Carrick Lee football team, went to the Joey's. Was dropped to the second team, so again, I know I'm getting off a little bit of point of resilience um, word, and I'd be sort of keen to sort of try to develop it as much as possible with the development squads. Idea with that, things don't go your way sometimes. Um, things that you don't have control over, you just have to literally get on with it. Would have been dropped to the second team at St Joseph's Boys, captain that team. Um, we had a good season, came second in the league by a point. Manager for the first team asked me back up. I said no, and I stayed at the second team for another year. So building on maybe the communication skills on the field and maybe off it, leadership skills, things like that, and building on the resilience that when things don't go your way, just you know maybe work that bit harder. So it would have been brought back up. I think it was under 16s, uh, under 15s, and then the following year was was over with Leicester on the trial. Um, would that have been, moved fast then from going to the second yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. So listen, in the DDSL football, there's a lot of scouts around and they do talk and. <laughs> Alan Judge would have been on the team as well. He would have gone over to, to right. sign with Blackburn. Would have been the Irish Messi uh, until he <laughs> broke his leg a number of years ago. Would have been making the, the Irish team for the, the Euros. Um, we'd have gone over together to Leicester and Blackburn. Um, so, yeah, it just it, it moved well. It just unfortunately the second trial with Leicester um, coincided with a, a Leinster League match with Dublin. Uh, John Horn was the manager of the minor squad, and just, he he left it up to me to make the decision if I wanted to play send her back on the Dublin team against Meath or go over to the second try with Leicester. So I decided to stick with Dublin and and that was that. What position did you play? Soccer? I was centre half. Okay. Yeah. So big United fan. So Rio Ferdinand Vidic. Um I would have been the Vidic of it just to, to no nonsense, <laughs> maybe throw the mallet of a head at a ball and get rid of it. Um, more so than the ball playing centre half. But listen, would have would have would have really enjoyed the soccer. Still do love it. Um never really played it after that because was so invested in, in Gaelic football at club, college and county. So it's uh, it's the, it's probably one of the regrets that, and the only regret I have that I, that I didn't actually give it a full chance. But the way Gaelic football has worked out for me, I can't really have any complaints. Yeah, from there on, like it went, it went very fast. Your like your Gaelic football career from maybe coming into the panel it was two thousand eight or two thousand nine, yeah. winning a Leinster title, going on to win an All Ireland club, and then on to two thousand eleven, winning the All Ireland and man the match in the final. Like it was. You were only, like, I t- hard to believe you were only, what, 2019, 20, 20, 20, yeah. 22, like, yeah. so it was an amazing time for a lad so young then. Yeah, um, worked out, like, uh, Pillar Caffrey gave me my debut in 2008, Leinster final against Wexford, Manmark and Red Barry, was taken off after 20 yeah. minutes, uh, it was yellow carded after seven, 
Um, the experience of Red Barry was just phenomenal. He, it was once he didn't even have a ball. He ran by. He ran across me. My knee clipped his heel. He went down. Referee looked over and said, "Listen, that's the you've been you've already been booked. Another another tick." So I think looking to the sideline straight away. I think Paul Casey came on for me. But from then I thought, listen, obviously a big weakness was that bit of uh, experience and how do I put that into into practice? And you know I tried to hone in the defending skills. You know, tackle with the near hand, nearly keep the opposite arm up in the air to show referee, listen, I'm not fouling with this hand. I would have tried to, you know, pride myself on the bit of tackling that I would have would have tried to focus on as as a, as a weakness back then. Um, after that, then yeah, between going to college and DCU and and Sigerson medals and and things like that with with DCU and Chemical Crokes and Dublin, it, it sort of all happened in the, in the space of three or four year three 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 year uh, window. Um, someone said to me recently enough was sort of you know. Quality, not quantity, uh, in relation to the time I've I've spent playing Gaelic football at a high level. So, listen, different things happen out of my control between um, a back operation and unfortunately being diagnosed with type one diabetes. Uh, two months after winning All Ireland would have been a big low point. But it, it's, if I had the technology now that I had back then, I think it would have been a bit a bit a bit better managed and controlled. Okay, so yeah, because we only watched the point um, this morning, I'd say you'll, you'll never tire watching that. Really, the one in the two thousand eleven final, but um, yeah, from that high, I suppose to the low, like was it was it something that you you had known that there was something off for a while, or how did you how did it come about? So, winning the All Ireland was uh, September. Started the job. My first teaching job would have been the end of August, start of September. So, just would have been tired and listen. I, I never drank, never smoked, so. We were celebrating a bit, but not as much as maybe some other lads, because obviously I had the, the the first teaching job. Um, would have just felt maybe a bit a bit off. I left for two and a half weeks. I was constantly waking up during the night, maybe every hour, going to the toilet, peeing out, nearly pure water at that stage. Though I thought it was so, lost by two and a half stone in weight. Um, constantly thirsty. Would have bought every cans of club orange or coke and just down them that thirsty water wasn't doing nothing for me so eventually went to my GP and he did a blood test on me and he rang me about an hour after and nearly started crying down the phone and, and, and mentioned that listen you're, you have type 1 diabetes um, it's going to have a massive impact on your life and footballing career so I just literally got onto the Dublin doctor then at that stage and I was in Bowmount the following day um, to get the insulin sorted and to get up and running with with the treatment for, for type 1 diabetes but um, listen it's I'm st- as I said I'm still able to play football now still able to do a lot of things that you know, other people have other illnesses and things that they can't do. So I'm just glad that I'm still able to do something that I still love to do. Jeez, yeah, definitely. Um, like, how, like, how, you mentioned the technology, how that could have um, helped. Like, what way would it have, like, what way could you, for someone maybe that has something similar playing football now, like, what what way can that help you now and how can you kind of keep it going? Um, so I, I actually use a pump now, an insulin pump. So it's constantly dripping insulin into me. Uh, back when I was playing with Dublin or finishing up with Dublin, it was it was an insulin pen, and you're going in and testing your blood sugars at half time and not fully understanding. Maybe I should have I should have spent a lot more time maybe educating myself on on what was required. Um, but your sugars are meant to be between four and eight, and there was games I was going in in, in 2012 when I was still playing with Dublin. Sugars could have been about 24, 25, and if that's that high, it just means your the energy in your body isn't where it's meant to be. So it's in the blood and not in the muscles. So um, the technology I'm using now, listen, all the tests that I've done recently, um, they're sort of similar or just above what a normal person would be. So it means that your your risk factors are lower than than what they would have been maybe back when I was first diagnosed. Um, but, you know, I never really took a time. And I know people say, you know, maybe men don't cry or talk about it. I never really sat down and said, you know, I have this, this is it. It's, it's the worst thing in the world. They would just said, listen, I just have to get this ready. Likewise, you might have to get your 
your food sorted, your boots ready. I just had to get something else ready before a game or training. But when I look back at it and I have the the little diaries and the books that I would have filled in, you know, the levels that I was dealing with during the game were nowhere near what they should have been um, in relation to the, the, the blood sugar levels. And that was just literally just um, not being educated enough. Um, and it was like I, I, I was I was 23 when I was diagnosed. There's, there's kids that are diagnosed with it anywhere from, from two up to, to 15 or 16 and I'm just lucky that I was an adult and you know responsible for myself to, to deal with that for any kid who's dealing with it um, yeah it's just it's just you know you have it unfortunately that's it you just have to take ownership of it and, and try to control as best as you can my in, my diabetes is different to someone else um, and it's just trying to manage it as, as I said as best as I can leading into to training and games so yeah so then obviously like do you know that obviously held you back as a footballer and it came up to 2015 then um when you were dropped by by Jim Gavin, um, you mentioned before that he met you in a hotel and told you th- that you know that you were dropped. I'm just wondering, like, what is the meeting like that like? Because it's obviously very disappointing for you, um, and it's something that he, I suppose, has to do. Yeah, well, not has to do, and and that I I'd had a good relationship with Jim. Jim came in as an under twenty one manager with us. Um, I was playing with Kilmacud at the time. We were due to play Leash in a championship Leinster championship game, and he rang me up and said, "Listen, Kevin, you're starting midfield, Mark and John O'Loughlin." Um, you could either be wearing number eight or we give you number 27 and you're not going to be on the programme but I leave that decision up to you so he let me pick you know in a way that he was sort of you know just having the chat about it you know do you want to be on it or it, it didn't mean nothing to me the fact that I was playing was a massive thing so I said listen put me as 27 and, and you know come in under the radar um, luckily got the chance to play with, with John O'Loughlin in, in, in New York but playing against him a bull of a man it was just that, that's the job that I was given um, Jim would have been very meticulous and you would have seen it then following through to the senior team um, wouldn't have played much in 2013 2014 got back into the team came on against Derry in a league game up in Celtic Park did well in the second half and then played the semi league final league semi-final and league final that year when we played Derry in the league final um, so got back into a position where I was able to compete for for, for, a, for a position leading into the first league game we were due to play Leash Um I think it was a week or two before, literally wasn't feeling great in in one of the training games, so had a bit of a, not a malfunction, but a bit of an issue with the medication I was on, so that had to be adjusted, so I stepped out, and I actually lost out in the starting position for that, but I started the next game against Wexford. So my last championship game at Dublin was against Wexford in the in the, in the championship that year, um, and since then, or sorry, after that then, it would have been just, uh, I had a bulging disc in my lower back that was operated on at the end of 2014, so when I came back in 2015 for the league, it was just chasing shadows. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even get into a squad, let alone into a, t- into a position where you're able to compete for a starting position. So as I said at the start, the competition for place was ramped up and it just it was once you're one or two percent off. Sorry, once you're one or two percent off, there's other lads there to take your place and take your position. That's what would have just happened. Um, and meeting Jim then, he would have maybe made phone calls to other people um, and listen he, he met me I met him in a, in a hotel in around uh, Liffey Valley and he had the decency to, to explain to me there face to face which was was, was honourable thing to happen um, and I think that's maybe because of what I would have maybe played under him over the last number the years previous to that that he had the the respect to meet me in person which was which was which was a nice a nice touch yeah definitely um, shows the type of man he is uh, just three now these are actually quick fire questions yeah, so <laughs> who's going to who's going to win the All-Ireland Dublin Okay. Uh, who would you prefer on your team in their peak, Conor McManus or Michael Murphy? Uh, 
Sorry, uh, Conor McManus. Do you remember yeah, where he's living? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the scores are just it, yeah. some of the scores he would have kicked and you know, would score against Throne under the yeah. under the stand, things like that. Crazy, he was able yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. Now, listen, it's hard. How's the hard one? Yeah, just mm. the, the sharpshooting score. I knew score, I put yeah. you on the spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and very last one. Uh, this might be even tougher. Uh, where are the people friendlier, Monaghan or Dublin? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, a good way. I will be back with a, a little bit of hurling talk myself and Lee. Uh, I want to thank Kevin. Thanks a million for coming into us. I uh, really enjoyed the chat today and uh, best luck with Carmartin uh, in the championship this Super. year. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Lee. And uh, thank you. Lovely. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we're going to round up the hurling. A crazy weekend of hurling, actually. And Niall, the dragon has been slayed. Limerick have fallen. Clare are victorious. What a game. Yeah, it was uh, it was an unbelievable game, Lee. Um, very entertaining stuff on, on Saturday night. And, you know, I don't know, it have, maybe some people might have seen it coming a small bit. I, I did um, did check the odds that morning. Claire were 9-2. So, um, you know, not, not too many people were giving them a chance. But I suppose Limerick had, they had disappointed uh, last week against uh, Waterford. So, and Clare were, do you know, they were a wounded animal having been very unlucky against Tipperary um, the week before. Mm-hmm. And so this was, this was, this was it for Clare really. Like they had to, if they lost, um, they wouldn't have been mathematically out of the Munster Championship, but they would have been very much up against it. Yeah. Um, do you know, and what, what bigger challenge does it, does can you get in Limerick in the Gaelic grounds? Yeah. Um, and I suppose like Claire did they started the game very well and Tony Kelly was on fire. But you did think when, when Nicky Quaid saved those two early goal chances that you know Limerick might have weathered the storm a small bit. Mm-hmm. Um but they didn't. And Claire I don't know, there was there was a defiance about them on, on Saturday night and you could see it in Brian Lohan's interview and John Conlon's interview it actually stood out for me. He he talked about we met up, they met up to obviously the team meeting the night before and they said like we're every bit as good as these lads, and you know we'll we'll sow it into them. Not sure what the exact words he yeah. used, but you know they're well. They were they believed in themselves, yeah. and you could see that in their play because many times in that game you kind of thought, "Geez, have have Claire missed their chance now?" Um, but I suppose for the first time in a long time, Limerick when they got the chance, they didn't really take them. And Tom Morrissey, of all lads, never hits a wide. He hit wides, yeah. and they dropped other shots into the keeper's hands. David Reedy hit some poor wides, and you know, Claire, they kicked on, and for the last five minutes, just unbelievable, unbelievable stuff from Claire, from Tony Kelly, Aaron Shanahan. I was delighted for that man because so many times he's come on for Claire, and he's caught balls, and he just might hit the shot wide, and you know, he's mm-hmm. done the hard part and doesn't do the easy part, and this time, you know, he got the two points, and they were the two. Two points to seal it for them. So um, unbelievable scenes, and it was like after the match, it was like they'd won a monster final. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was it was nearly as important for that. And I think everyone had to do with Harlem was, you know, it's nice to see it freshen up a bit. No, of course, yeah, and like we're absolutely taking nothing away from Clare because they really brought the game and they were excellent all the way throughout. But you sort of touched on it there, Limerick wasteful. Do you know? I mean, will they be kicking themselves? Is this actually a game that Limerick, you know, let get away from themselves? Well, like it's it's just uncharacteristic from Limerick to to miss those chances. We normally do like you just expect them to go like a, someone like Tom Morrissey. He just never misses of all their players. But you know, there's kind of a few 
small little things like whether it was Declan Hannon coming off against Waterford um, the week before. Apparently that was a groin injury. He started this week, but wasn't as you know wasn't as dominant as he'd usually be. Garrod Hegarty, I know he was sent off against Watford, but like he could have played against Clare and was dropped and came on and didn't have an impact on the game. Keane Lynch, his hamstring was at him again. That's an issue that's been bothering him for quite a while now. The hamstring, mm-hmm. and he tweaked that. And Sean Finn looked to get a very serious injury um, in the build-up to a chance for Peter Duggan who it was actually a great save from, from Nicky Quaid so do you know there's little things kind of showing up and, and Claire just Claire just seemed to have a match for Limerick yeah. in, in general like um, Tony Kelly always has his best days out against Limerick Claire kind of they're not as as Conlon said like it wasn't just what he wasn't just saying that they actually do they push up on Limerick Yeah, they mark them man to man like Barry Nash is tracked and do you know they're not afraid of them and um Shane O'Donnell as well really came into the game in the second half. Um, so, like, it was an even game and you just m- might have expected Limerick to, to, you know, put them away. But as yeah. the, as, as the longer the game wore on, it just felt like, you know, Clare, they had their measure. Yeah, because even even watching it, like, the Munster final last year, Clare was equally as good. The match was equally as crazy. Um, but there's nearly scars there and baggage. Like, cause I even I felt it, you know, just because they were so brilliant last year and they still ended up losing at Limerick. Just they just would never go away. And then this time around, like especially when Flanagan got the second goal, it just felt like oh, typical Limerick. You know, they're they're going to get through again. But Clare never let their heads go down. They never were dispirited. Like there was just a a determination to not let it slip. Yeah, like the, I thought the game was over before that Flanagan goal, even because Lim- Clare had gone four up, and then Flanagan gets his goal, and you're just like, "Oh, Jesus!" Yeah, like there's what there's a minute left in injury time. Clare is still going to have to defend this ball, and you know they did that. There was was very clever from I think it was Rory Hayes down by the side, and he flicked the ball through his legs when Limerick were coming and could e- they could have easily have given away a sideline that Limerick could have scored, but Clare were. Lohan said that in his interview as well that you know they were calm they weren't just fired up they were calm yeah. as well and like you, definitely you would have thought that Limerick might that you know it's happened before and they came back into them in the group stage last year as well uh, to draw so no it was brilliant from Clare and brilliant for the championship No definitely um, I was just wondering as well like does it <laughs> I, I, I come across really negative now but like does it take away from it at all that they're not actually out. You know, Limerick probably still going to go through. Um, they're not being knocked out of the Monster Championship, maybe going to face them again. And, like, there's just that sort of feeling that to beat them, you need to be so perfect, so on the ball, and your performance levels need to be so ridiculously high. And realistically, they're going to have to do that all over again. You know, does that deflate it at all? Or is it a case of, you know, proofs in the pudding that we can beat them and they'll take that forward? Yeah, I think that's the way every team will be looking at it. Um Clare have they've fared better than than anyone against Limerick last year and obviously this year too. Um, like the last meaningful championship match that Limerick have lost before um, Saturday night was against Kilkenny in the semi final in uh, twenty nineteen. Dear Tip won the All Ireland. Tip had Tip beat Limerick in the round robin in twenty twenty, but that was a, that game didn't mean anything because Limerick were already through to the Munster final. Mm-hmm. So. Like for the last two years, Limerick were 
do you know what, basically unbeaten and unbeatable and everyone was dispirited. And sure, we were only saying it here after the league final that this could be there that they annihilate everyone. Like yeah. so do you know it does. It gives a bit of belief to all the them other counties and um definitely puts Limerick it's you know, they're they're in a place now where they haven't been um for a while. So it's uh it's it's it makes the whole thing a lot more exciting now that, you know, there's mm-hmm. probably Limerick they're going to have to drag themselves out of this and it's not yeah. going to be easy. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, Waterford played Cork, but uh, they didn't really show up. <laughs> no, they didn't. And I, I think coming into this one, there was you would have had your suspicions about Waterford that after running Limerick so close and it being such a tight game that, you know, they might struggle to rise it again. And that was, that was they didn't rise a gallop, to be honest, because they were... Cork kind of got into a very early lead and they were flying it and Dara Fitzgibbon was scoring points and catching puck outs and he was cleaning up and Waterford didn't really seem to have anyone on him and Caelan Lines was kind of seemed to be all over the place playing in different positions and they just they were there wasn't there just seemed to be a bit of a malfunction for Waterford and they never got going at all and um Cork, I suppose, they just got into, you know, they were on their home patch and they got onto a bit of a run and they were fairly impressive. Like Fitzgibbon was was very good. Um, Declan Dalton, I thought, had a very good game and got some got one brilliant point in particular in the in the first half. But yeah, it was disappointing for Waterford because they're in a bad spot now, having lost two games um, in David Fitzgerald's comeback year. So yeah. Do you know they're like they're not out of it, um, but they're uh, they're a long way to go if they're if they're to stay in it. So, um, disappointing for them. Yeah, they just they never got going. Hits the pass, the short passes that were probably working against Limerick were breaking down, and they were hitting. It's a it's something that probably ha- Waterford have done a lot is is hit wides and they hit some scandalous wides in in the first half. Lads taking shots from everywhere, just jumping to mind is Caelan Lines hit a few bad ones and Neil Montgomery hit a few just terrible, terrible deflating wise when they needed points and even though they were going to have a strong win in the second half, it was going to make no difference because yeah. Cork were so far ahead and they kind of had their they gander up and the dander up and, you know, disappointing for, for Waterford. But Cork, they'll be happy enough, but they'll still, you know, they'll definitely face tougher challenges down the line. Yeah. next weekend. Do you, do you think there's anything to say that maybe you can prepare so much for Limerick and build towards them so much because they're obviously the team to beat that then, you know, the game plan doesn't necessarily work for the next match and you don't have the same amount of time. Is there anything in that? I'd say it is, it's a mix of a mental and physical thing. Like I'd say they were yeah. wore out after the Limerick game. Like that was only, what, six, seven days ago? Yeah. Seven days before before the car came, so yeah, they were they were you they just yeah wore out physically. I'd say definitely because Limerick is such a physical test, and especially that match that was very hard hitting. Yeah, and the mental thing as well, like you know they're like we've 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 done so well against Limerick, but we've still got nothing, and maybe they're thinking, you know, we sh- we'll we'll be able to lift it again, but like yeah. it's a hard thing to do, and they def- they couldn't do it. No, definitely. And um, there was a big game in Leinster as well. Galway, I think they were six down. They came back to snatch a draw against Kilkenny. Yeah, it was. It's a big game, but at the same time, the Leinster Championship is just. Uh, I'll be accused of bias here, but it's it's not. It's definitely not as entertaining as the Munster Championship because um, Galway and Kilkenny, even though um, they were playing each other, it, like you'd expect the two of them, like they will get to the. You'll expect them to get to the Leinster final anyway because. 
well, Wexford have already um, lost to Galway. Um, so the, the real big game in Leinster is Dublin-Wexford, and that's coming up next. So, do you know, you kind of expect Galway and Kilkenny that they'll be there in the final. It's kind of the fight for third place now that um, Wexford... Well, Antrim will, will, might have something to say about it, seeing as they got a point off Dublin. But... Um, you'd expect that that Dublin Wexford game will decide who, who's in third place. So it's not as um, the Lens Championship. There's not as many teams in contention, like because Westmead were well beaten by mm-hmm. Dublin at the weekend as well. But Galway Kilkenny, yeah, it was um, you, Kilkenny were six up with fifteen with twenty minutes to go. So you're five up with fifteen minutes to go. So you're thinking, do you know, um, Kilkenny will be able to close this out yeah. in Nolan Park, but. Uh, Galway they hung in there to be fair and the one thing about Galway um, well in fairness Brian Cannon had, had a brilliant game he got 1-5 and you know we had said last week that Galway didn't have the goal threat but he brought, brought the goal threat from going straight down the throat at Kilkenny and running at them and he was rewarded 1-5 brilliant display but the one thing about Galway is that they had a brilliant bench at the, at the weekend and the four subs they brought on all made big impacts in Finton Burke who's a lad many people would think would be starting, Jason Flynn, and then the two superstars, two young lads coming in. Liam Collins was the star of an All-Ireland minor winning team, and uh, Declan McLaughlin is a fellow from Pertumna, who's only 19, 20 years of age, on the under-20s last year. As Henry said in his post-match interview, he wasn't like this superstar underage, but he's a super, super hurler. And because I'm from right beside Pertumna, would have went to school in Pertumna, I'd know of Declan and I've seen lots of him hurling for Pertumna in the last few years and, well, last year, and just an unbelievably skillful hurler. And when I heard him coming on after 68 minutes, I think it was, for his championship debut, I was like, if this guy gets a chance, he'll make, he'll make something happen because he's so, he might be slight and he looks skinny coming on and you think it's only a small kind of a, a, a lad who's too too young to come on. Yeah. But he's so skillful and he showed great strength to beat the two Kilkenny boys for that ball. And then, as Henry was full of praise from in his post-match interview, he showed great, you know, bottle to take that shot on. Yeah. Last book of the game, one point down on your championship debut in in injury time, like to yeah. take that on was phenomenal from him. And Liam Collins is similar sort of to hurler to Declan, extremely skillful. He got a point as well. So these ads made a huge impact and Kilkenny at the same time were hitting some terrible, terrible wides. They'll have nightmares about them. <laughs> Hit wide after wide in the last 10 minutes and that let Galway back into it. But um, I expect we'll see them clashing again soon. Yeah. So It sort of lost a bit of flavour, but with the whole Henry Shefflin and uh, Cody, mm. do you know, like that, was, that always was like an extra... Just something about the game, yeah, you know, when they were playing. Definitely so did. Leinster's lost out in that. It now. added to it a small bit, I suppose, yeah. But um, look, they'll have a good, they'll have, you'd expect them to be in the Leinster final and it'll be good then. But there was probably a little bit of, you know, we'll see, we'll, not that they were holding back, but yeah. there was just, you could, they had that sense that, you know, this isn't the most important game we'll play this year yeah. yet, like. No, 100%. Yeah, and yeah. Ju- uh, sure, yeah, we mentioned the the Dublin, we- Dublin well be- beat Westmead fairly well, and mm-hmm. Wexford, they look like they're in a sticky situation against um, Antrim, but um, they came out on top in the end by four points. So the two O'Connors, Rory and Jack, did the damage there. They got 12 from play between them. So, um, yeah, that keeps them. They needed that. They needed to win after losing uh, to Galway last weekend. So it, um, yeah, keeps it going. Absolutely. Uh, thanks to Niall for giving us the lay of the land in the world of hurling. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that last week was actually our biggest show of the year so far with Jimmy Clark in studio. We had David Clifford interview exclusive. And, you know, there's only 
more to come, really. It's going to get bigger and better, especially as we get into the depths of the championship. So please like, subscribe, share, and we'll see you next week.